Our scripture lesson is found in the book of John, the 7th chapter, verses 37 through 44. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not given yet, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said, Of a truth, this is a prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not the scripture said that Christ cometh from the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. And some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. I had a little bit of trouble deciding what to say. When you only get to say things once or twice and you have a captive audience, you want to make sure... (laughs) that it's something that they need. And I had to struggle between one scripture and another scripture, but I decided that this is the one. The feast that they're representing here in this scripture is the Feast of the Tabernacles, and I think it's pretty appropriate for us because it was the Feast of the Ingathering. It was sort of a Thanksgiving feast, and everybody would come to Jerusalem, and they'd set up little lean-tos, or little tents or something, because they were commemorating their 40 years in the wilderness. And this took place from October the 15th to the the 22nd on their calendar, sort of a Thanksgiving celebration. And on the last day of the feast, they call it the great day of the feast, the the crowd all gathers at the temple. They've been all over Jerusalem, but they gather at the temple and they bring water in big thing, big vats, and they gather it from the pool of Siloam and they they get together at the temple steps and they pour this water out on the temple steps and it flows out into the streets and they're commemorating Moses striking the rock and the water flowing for all the people in the wilderness. And so they think it's after this, they're gathered there and they strike the rock, and there's a great praise that goes up. It's called the High Hallel. And everyone is praising God, and then they go and they get ready to go home. And they think this is when Jesus, the rock of our salvation, who was stricken for us, stood and he cried. And Jesus came to the to this feast secretly. He just had an encounter with his brothers before he came and they were mocking him. And they say, oh, go on up to Judea. Do some of your tricks there. If you want to be great, go show them how great you are. And he said, no, y'all just go on. Even his family didn't believe in him yet. So he goes up secretly, but he didn't stay hidden because it said he taught in the temple and he probably did other things. And the people knew who he was and the priests and the Pharisees were looking out for him because they wanted to arrest him. But before he came, he had fed 5,000 people. He had walked on the water. He had healed people. 
And everybody there in Jerusalem thought they knew who Jesus was. A lot of people in church think they know who Jesus is. But notice, Jesus was a street preacher. I haven't seen a street preacher in years, but I remember them. Do you all remember street preachers? And the last one I saw was in Dallas, Texas, in front of a, an office building in sort of a plaza area there. And my coworker and I were walking across there, and there he was, and he was this tall, thin, black man with his Bible in the hand, and he was, he was out there, and he was crying out to the people. You know, some people thought those street preachers were crazy, but I think they were brave. And I remember this distinctly because my coworker was sort of a wild and woolly kind of lady. I loved her so much. She was a friend. But she was convinced that this street preacher looked right at her and pointed his bony finger at her and said, Sinner! (laughs) And that may have been exactly what she needed at the time. She needed to hear that. But I think if Jesus would have been the street preacher that day, he might have pointed at her, but he would have said, are you thirsty? I can tell you she was upset. I don't, you know, I haven't seen her in in 35 years, but I'll bet she remembers that to this day. Anyway, Jesus, the street preacher, stood up and he cried out. All those people were going to go home and he knew that some of them would never see him again. Some of them he would never see again. And so he has to make his point. The lover of your soul wants to make a point to you. And he says, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. Let's talk about that thirst. You know, the word of God says that he has put eternity in our hearts. We know it somehow. And until we have that spiritual thirst slaked, We walk around with an unnamed yearning. Sometimes, a lot of times, with an unnamed dread. When you turn out the light at night and you don't know what it is, but there's a dread, an unnamed thing that troubles you. And if you're not a Christian, you know what I mean. They don't know what it is, but they're not satisfied, they're not fulfilled. And they thirst for that unknown commodity. Dear ones, Jesus knows what you need to quench that thirst. That's the river of living water. I was reading in a commentary that actually that's supposed to be translated running water. That river of living water that he was offering here and he's offering today the holy spirit was just a promise back then because he hadn't died he hadn't been glorified yet it wasn't given to everybody but it's a promise awaiting you today it said there were different kinds of people there there's different kinds of people here in every crowd there's different kinds of people the first one they mention are the ones who thought that jesus was a prophet the prophet You know, the word said that before the Messiah came, uh, 
the prophet, probably Elijah, was going to come back. And Jesus said, if you can receive it, that was John. And all he, though he was certainly that, Jesus was prophet, priest, and king. Jesus wasn't telling about somebody else that was going to satisfy their thirst. Some other event. He said, come to me. So those believing that Jesus is or was a prophet, or like some people are saying today, a good man, a wonderful teacher, or all of those lesser titles, that that won't make them a candidate for the river of living water, the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people just flat make up fantasies about Jesus. They want Jesus to be what they want them to be. What's in their head about Jesus. And that won't make you a candidate for the Holy Spirit either. He said, whoever believes in me, now get this, as the scripture has said, not what you think. People want him to be who they want him to be. But if you want to know him, accept him for who he says he is in Scripture. Not some sugary, sweet, anemic, nice fellow walking around, put his hands on people, talking sweetly to them. He cried out. He is the only begotten Son of God, creator of the universe, of the same substance of the Father, all-powerful, all-knowing, whose presence and power encompass the universe and beyond any realms or boundaries of time and space that we can imagine. That is Jesus, who condescended to come down here and reveal the heart of God in human form. These guys thought they were paying him some sort of compliment by saying, by acknowledging him as a prophet. Oh, he's a prophet. People in churches think they're paying him some sort of compliment sometimes by coming to church, saying the Apostles' Creed. They don't know who Jesus is, if that's all he is to them. How about you? Who do you think Jesus is? Secondly, it says, there are those who believed He was the Christ. He was the Messiah. Praise God, He has always had a people and He will always have a people. Is it you? I see you nodding, I know. Yes. Those with open hearts who believe Him and believe in Him. To you, dear ones, the Holy Spirit the river of living water is available. Thirdly, there were those who questioned his credentials. And as always, they're just looking for excuses. He said, well, and he can't. I mean, he's from Galilee. He's called Jesus of Nazareth. And what, didn't it say he was supposed to be at the house of David, born in Bethlehem? They didn't know what they were talking about. They were looking for excuses. Sounded like a good reason not to get to know Jesus. But all their arguments were moot. And if you're looking for an excuse, I can guarantee you your arguments are moot too. Excuses not to believe. Do you have an excuse not to believe in Him? I can guarantee you it is not 
valid. Those arguments would disappear if you cared to get to know him. Their arguments would have disappeared if they'd cared to get to know him. I've known people like this. You probably have too. Many are religious in church. They can even quote scripture. But their knowledge or their wisdom can be a stumbling block. Now, I've thought about this. Can you imagine actually hearing Jesus speak? Can you imagine hearing his words uttered in the untarnished, full anointing of the Holy Spirit? I think about it from time to time. I've said, boy, I wish I could hear, I could have heard Jesus. I wish I could have seen him walking around. I wish I could have heard what he said. And people always say, oh, but we have the word. I don't care. I still wish it. That untarnished anointing of the Holy Spirit that came through his words. Now, I've known and I do know the presence of the Holy Spirit. But to have his anointed spoken coming through like that had to be overwhelming. How could they resist him? You know, y'all probably heard how poorly I sing. But in several churches where we've been, almost inevitably they insist that the preacher's wife be in the choir. They just cannot believe that a preacher's wife can't sing or play the piano. But... I wasn't always a preacher's wife, and I wasn't raised to be one, so I can't sing and I can't play the piano. But it was very interesting sitting in back of the preacher, watching the people as the word went out. And I could watch them, and I could see the Holy Spirit dealing with them. You know? You could see their unease or you could see their joy, or you could see their excuses. And when it came time to say, do you accept Jesus? All of their excuses came running back and you could see it on their face. And I imagine some of their excuses were, you know, I've been going to this church for 50 years. If I go down and get saved, people are going to think that I always thought she was a Christian. You know what I mean. Or they're going to think, I would be so embarrassed. Let me tell you something. If those other people are Christians, they're rejoicing with you. And a little embarrassment is sure a whole lot better than an eternity of condemnation. But I've also seen people as they go through Sunday after Sunday after Sunday of bringing up their excuses, it's just like a leather saddle. And, and all the time you're putting saddle soap on it so the water won't penetrate, you know. And you keep doing that and you keep doing that and you keep doing that until finally your heart is so hardened the Word of God won't penetrate it. Now, this passage reveals God's strategy for his followers. For all of you, this is the strategy. Not only will they have life and eternity if they come to him, they will become channels of his spirit to a lost and dying 
world. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. I like it's out of his belly. The only argument I've ever had with the New King James Bible is that they changed that to out of just their heart. But I think it's belly. Because if there are times when you've been witnessing to somebody and you know the anointing of God is on you, it didn't come from here, it comes from here. It's true. That's where the Spirit of God resides. I mean, I believe it's in the Word of God. So you will become a channel of that river of living water soaking those around them with life-giving, refreshing water of the Holy Spirit. Do you do that? Do you do that? He doesn't give you His Holy Spirit for your feel-good moments. It's for fellowship with Him. It's for knowledge of Him. It's for worshiping Him and for ministering to others And I like that it comes from your belly. (laughs) Now, Jesus described his followers in lots of ways. He said they are the light of the world. He said that. You're the light of the world. He said you are the salt of the earth. You know, Joel's talked about salt before and you being the salt of the earth. But you know another thing that salt does? It makes you thirsty. And Jesus said, if any man thirsts, and you're supposed to be out there making people thirsty, and then you have the rivers of living water that can flow out to them and soak that seed of faith in those people. You are his vessels. So have you been doing that? Watering the seed of the word in somebody's heart? Increasing the kingdom of God in your corner of the world? Or do you just see Jesus as a prophet, a good man, wonderful teacher? Or perhaps you're just finding excuses. But foremost, are you thirsty? Do you have a yearning for something that will satisfy your soul? Do you feel spiritually dry and possibly dreading something and you don't even know what it is? And you need peace. Jesus' call is universal. He said, if any man. Now, yes, that includes women. It says in Genesis, and God created man, male and female created he them. So when he says man, he's meaning mankind. I'm not a feminist, except I want to make the same money. There are many examples of Jesus saying, come in the scripture. And he's saying it today to a world that longs for peace. Now notice, the scripture says that because of the different opinions that people had about Jesus, there was a division among them. Hard-heartedness blinded the Pharisees. Don't let it blind you. And don't be afraid to be a follower of Jesus. He calls you to follow, but he's not going to force you. If you believe in him, there are going to be some people who don't like it. You know, I remember when, when Jesus called Joel and I into the ministry and 
And uh, we had some pretty highfalutin friends in Houston. We had a Harvard lawyer who was a friend, pretty much a reprobate, but he was a friend. Baseball player for the Astros was in that group. Our daughter's godfather made millions of dollars selling insurance. Not then, but... And also car people who own car dealerships. But when we left to go to seminary, it was kind of like, whoa, what? So there are going to be people who don't like it when you become a follower of Jesus. They will be offended by the changes in your life. That's okay. He has planted eternity in your hearts and it is worth it. He has given you a thirst and he wants to satisfy it. And this morning, dear ones, he is crying out to you, wherever you are in your walk with the Lord. And it said there was a division among the people And that's what's happened in our denomination. Because some people don't want to accept that Jesus is who Scripture says He is. They want Him to be this nice guy who would never send anybody to hell. He doesn't. You do it if you do it. I've told you about everything I know in 14 minutes, and that's about it. (laughs) But I want you to know that He is real. And if you want to follow Him, He will give you that river of living water, the Holy Spirit that is available to you today, that you can do it. We had a dear, when Joel was in seminary, we had this student charge and the dearest, sweetest Christian man I think I've ever known. And he would say, you know, being a Christian is simple. It's just not easy. That's why you need the Holy Spirit, that stream of living water. Get to know Jesus. I can promise you He's more than you think He is. He's more than I think He is. He is not bound by my mental limitations. And He's calling out to people today. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.